0: Block Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. Huh? I'm as
1: tired as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. where you built a time
2: machine kind of a DeLorean? This is the Stupid Cancer Show. That's hot.
0: Hey, kids! People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late.
3: And now, the host of the Stupid
4: Cancer Show, Matthew Zachary. Monday, July 27th, and we are once again live on the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adults with cancer. We are your friendly neighborhood weekly social webcast, finally giving that voice to nearly 5 million young adults affected by cancer. This broadcast is a program of the I Am Too Young for This Cancer Foundation, a national leader in the fight against cancer, working exclusively on behalf of survivors and their care providers under the age of 40. Got cancer under 40? Sucks, huh? Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is on the air. Welcome to tonight's broadcast, my friends. We are here. To change the world one chemo infusion at a time and share all of our collective crapness now call me a hippie but do not call me a victim because i don't believe that change is possible if you never disrupt and challenge the status quo i am still here you are still here and this is why we fight forget the cure that's right you heard it here first forget the cure survivorship is all that matters So welcome, my friends, to the Stupid Cancer Movement, because we're here to stay and the couch is comfy. You see, here in Stupid Cancer Land, we're not just about the quantity of your life, we're about the quality, too. Why? Because there's more to the cure than just research, research, research. The need to cure cancer for Gen X and Gen Y, whatever that means, It's only going to come from within our own ranks. Are we on our own? Well, as I always say, if we're the generation that invented Google, Facebook, Twitter, and kept Sanjaya on American Idol. All those weeks, we should be able to take care of our own. This is Generation Cancer, people, and it is our fight and our duty. <laughs> I said duty. We have the sheer numbers, the voting power, and the influence to change the rules. Because remission is not an excuse for a cure. and survivorship is all that matters. Last week's show, The Art of Survivorship, with singer, songwriter, rap artist, Jesse Hershkowitz, survivor of non hodgkins lymphoma, Christina Felice, young adult survivor of breast cancer artist and photographer, and Seth Eisen, also a young adult survivor of Hodgkin's lymphoma, visual artist, performer, and educator. Tonight's show, our season finale, Stupid Din Cancer, and our survivor spotlight, Therese Bruis, young adult survivor of breast cancer, singer, songwriter, and contributing artist, To the I2I Benefit CD Volume 2, Dr. Jennifer Stein, Associate Director of Pigmented Lesion Service, Assistant Professor of Dermatology, NYU Langone Medical Center, and the one and only Courtney Clark, Young Adult Survivor of Melanoma, Director of Development and Marketing at the one and only Planet Cancer. So, hello, my friends, and welcome to yet another fun to exciting romp to the hay on tonight's Stupid Cancer Show, and a Stupid Cancer welcome to all of our first-time listeners here on the Blog Talk Radio Network, and a special sign-out to everyone from the First Descent Retreat that just returned from Oregon. Coming to you live from the chemo deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. I'm your host, Matthew Zachary, a 13-year young adult pediatric brain cancer survivor. Joining me live in the studio tonight, as always, except for last week, our chief cancer anarchist,
5: Jack Bufard. Hello. Jack? Hi Matt, did you miss me? No. I didn't think so.
4: It was a pretty quick, simple answer. Yeah, apparently.
5: And I didn't drown. Uh,
4: What what did they call you? We're we're already off cue. (laughs) What did they call you? Drowns with Style? Was that your nickname? No,
5: that would have been my nickname had I drowned with Style. Okay. But unfortunately, I didn't drown.
4: Well, anyway, for our first time listeners, Jack will be monitoring our live concurrent chat room. So if you have any questions or something to say, well I might ignore you, he won't, so nudge in the death as best as you can. And in our live studio audience tonight, we've set a new record for the amount of people that we're able to squeeze in here. Please welcome to the stupid cancer show, or actually back to the stupid cancer show, Rabbi Yosef Eliezer.
1: Hey,
4: hey. That's all you get? We Matt, a I you were, Matt, I thought you were changing my music. No, you don't we get that. on. You don't win. I even cut them out. <laughs> okay. Also, live in our studio, returning champion Tommy Waters. Hello, world. That's what he got, Tommy Waters. Third time he was filling in for me and some the Tommy last did week. fill in for you last week, and he did a great job. That's, All right. That's not what I heard, but thanks, Tommy. And returning champion Anna Brower.
1: Hi, everyone. <laughs>
4: and from the First Descent Retreat, where uh, Jack just came from, our newest I2Wire. Welcome. Carrie Stout. Hey,
1: everybody.
4: I know you like Care Bear.
5: Oh, okay, Care Bear. Yeah, and Matt, Matt. for those of you that aren't familiar with uh, First Ascent, when you're on a First Ascent retreat, you don't go by your real name. And they give you a nickname. Okay. So my nickname was Radio, and Carrie's
4: nickname was Care Bear. Fair enough. Now sit down. All right, and, of course, as, as always, it is my esteemed pleasure to welcome... Uh, my official partner in crime here on the Stupid Cancer Show, hailing from the windy city of Chicago, fellow young adult survivor and author of the acclaimed book, Everything Changes, The Insider's Guide to Cancer in Your 20s and 30s, the lovely, talented, blocktastic, beautiful, spectacular Carol Rosenthal. Hello, Matthew. Man, I miss that. Every week I, I yearn for that.
2: Ah, I'm so glad.
4: And how are you doing this week?
2: I'm doing okay this week. Yeah? Yeah.
4: That's always true. good. That's
5: good.
2: Yeah. Yeah, did you miss are... me last week? I did miss you last week, Jack. Thank you. I knew I'd find, find
5: somebody out there. Yeah. Well, I
2: know. I know. I never have anything mean or bad to say about you.
5: Well, that's rare. <laughs> I was gonna say. So you're the one.
2: But you can count on me. You can count on me.
5: I can count on you. But you know what? You need me because I plug your book and I'm going to read. Yeah, clearly Carol's book life would fall to pieces so. if you
4: weren't doing that for her.
5: So I don't know if she's just
4: sucking up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Carol, if, if Jack didn't plug your book every week, you'd get just no attention. Isn't that true?
2: Yeah, he's he's the man behind the whole operation.
4: That is it. Yes. You could just stop that sentence at. He's the man. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Oh, my God. Why do you even bother? <laughs> So, so this is our uh, our season finale. Uh, we're going to be off in August, as per the course we were off in August in 2007, 2008. And um, I'm looking forward to not having to do the show, even as much as I love doing the show. I think it's always good to take a little hiatus and re- reconstitute ourselves. And um, just for the everyone out there, Carol and I have been fastidiously planning the fall season, and it's going to be riddled with fabulousness.
2: I. I am so excited about this next season. I don't know if we should give people a little preview or not, but one that I'm particularly excited about is something that I've been blogging about, too. Last week I wrote a blog called Are You Overwhelmed by Cancer and Diet Choices? And it just opened up this flood of conversation between people who totally are overwhelmed by cancer and diet choices, and I'm really excited for this. Um, episode that we're going to have next season that sort of helps people get down to the bottom line of what do we need to be doing and eating and organic or vegan this and that and research and studies and um, I'm, I'm excited about that.
4: I think, it, I, ho- I hope it's controversial and um, if this is an expression, light shedding, as if we can shed light on things. Can we get away with that here? Of course, sounds good to me. You're the one who, who invents new words, so that is true. I do invent new words.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's going to be an incredible episode. We have so many other great episodes that we're doing too. Legislative issues one. Getting well, actually, cool. if,
4: if people want to sneak peek, I did post the um the season lineup. We have guests booked, but they haven't been put on the on the on the website yet. But if anyone wants to go to guestsplural.i2y.com. Uh, They will see what the topics are for the fall season. And i got to tell you, Carol, I'm really – I am excited. It's nice that we plan these things in advance now.
2: It's going to be great. And um, I'm I'm sure we have a slot or two that's still left open, so I would love it if people have suggestions for shows that they would like to see, here, have us put together, let us know. Shout them out.
4: (laughs) We did the sex show. I know. That was my favorite. Okay. Actually, we're going to try to do a testicular cancer show and get Eric back – on the show, nice. Uh, Eric Chanteau, that is Olympic uh, swimmer, athlete guy with the the Johnny Ball sy- syndrome. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but if anyone, did you, were you on that show, Carol, when he defiled our chat room?
0: I don't. Um, I don't think that I was. When we had Heidi
4: Adams from Planet
5: Cancer on as a guest.
0: Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. There was yeah. something
5: going on in Austin where they're all like in the same area. Oh right, it was
2: Young Adult Cancer Week. Yeah. That was right. when
5: right. we when we really put the sensor in the chat room to to the test. Because everyone was like, blah, 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 and all the asterisks were flying because it was knocking out all the naughty words.
2: Uh huh. All right. Well, then let's get him back on.
4: Yeah. Oh, and his sister, Haley, is in the chat room tonight. So she can. Sister in law. Sister in law. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. I will give her enough credit to not um, genetically associate her with him.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't think
4: Haley would appreciate that. Fair enough. Fair (laughs) enough. Um, So what else is going on this week, Carol? What's in the news?
1: What's
2: in the news this week? Well, I'm excited. Tomorrow, I'm hosting this. No, not tomorrow. Uh, Wednesday. Yeah, I got to get with the schedule here. Wednesday on my blog, I'm hosting something called Patience for the Moment, and it's this really great blog carnival that was started by Duncan Cross. If any of you read Duncan Cross's blog. And so he started this thing where he sort of does a best of patient blogs. And it's not just young adult cancer patients, it's all kinds of patients who are writing really great, interesting subject matter issue conversation rants on their blogs. So it's not so much the blow by blow of like, I went to chemo today and I went to the doctors, but it's like really controversial, great, interesting topics that people like you and me, are debating on our blogs. And so I'm going to be hosting that on Wednesday. And I think it's a really great opportunity to connect with other bloggers who are facing similar issues but might have different kinds of diseases and get what we're going through.
4: And and what's the website?
2: Well, my website is everythingchangesbook.com. And this rotates every week. They choose a different blogger to host it. I don't know if it's every week or every other. I think it's every week. So this week it's going to be on my blog. Um, and if you want to find out more about it, you can go to Duncan Cross's blog. And I don't have that in front of me at the moment. but I'll, Actually, I'll I think it it's
4: DuncanCross.net.
2: Is it DuncanCross.net? Yeah, because I researched that today. There's a great green and white logo that says Patience for the Moment. And um, check it out. Kathy Buetti, who we all know and love, is going to have a a posting up. some other folks from our dear cancer world, and um, then some new people, too. So so check out Patients for a Moment.
4: And uh, I just pulled up some of the things that I tweeted this week, and one of them was that uh, I found this article from 2006 that I do remember, but I had forgotten about, which basically said that, teenage and young adult survival rates are much higher in countries with socialized medicine. How do you feel about that? Is think, that surprising?
2: No, it's not surprising at all, but I think it's a totally apropos time for us to be talking about that and thinking about that. Um, I've seen that kind of flying around online as well, and I think it was from a 2006 report, and you know, I've, it's just another great reminder that as young adults we need to be speaking up about health care reform. It, it hugely affects us. It hugely affects our survival rates and our outcome. And um, we need to be getting on the horn with the um, congressional folks who make a difference and who are responsible to us.
4: Interesting. I agree. Yeah. I mean, well, that, that could be part of our legislation. Well, I think the show is going to be Legislate This.
2: Legislate this, and you know there's a huge, a huge gap of time in between now and then because we're doing that in September. It's July now. There's a whole month of all kinds of things going. I know that Congress is in recess, but it doesn't mean that you can't call up your representatives and bombard them at their home offices. You know, you don't only really have to bombard them in D.C. You can bombard them at their home offices. Um, it's a great month to write a letter to the editor of your newspaper and talk to them about being a young adult with cancer and your need or desire for greater access to the healthcare system, public option, no pre-existing condition clauses, whatever you feel. You know, study up and see what affects you the most and what kind of changes you want, and write a letter to the editor. They want to hear from real people, real young people with real illnesses.
4: And actually, I will, I will, uh, I will compliment that by saying that we had a meeting with our PR firm uh, this week. And uh, actually, I'll spout out something I could brag about. We we reached 18 million people through the media in the last year. And I'm just going to give us a little round of applause here because this <laughs> is um, a
1: huge. <laughs>
4: Because I have to give props out to every single person uh, in the I2I universe for being uh, who they are, believing in what we do, and being a part of that outreach, which has generated uh, that media. And uh, it, it's really a testament to the passion that people have for the cause. And, uh, but anyway, I, I digress, because we met with them today, and they talked about how letter-writing campaigns are like the new black. People um, are doing them again. <laughs> He's pointing to Tommy. That's terrible. It's the new Tom. It's the new Tom. Okay, letter-writing campaigns of the new Tommy. That's so bad. We're going to get a letter from the ACLU. You know that. Not that they're listening, but if they
5: were.
2: ACLU, NAACP. Yeah, exactly. Michael
4: Jackson's attorney. Oh, no.
2: <laughs> Maybe the Anti-Defamation League. Yes. And, and what's The, the
4: Cambridge League? Police Department. <laughs> what? Oh, God. Actually, we're at New York Law School, so the New York Law School Campus Safety Group. That's true. Okay, great. In any case, uh, that um, there's all these Internet test, uh, petitions now. But good old letter writing is still there, and it's still really effective. And More
2: so than petitions is what yeah. I hear from the guys inside the you know that building with the big white dome, the Capitol. You know, when I've talked to staffers up at the Capitol, they've been like, "Petition schmition," like you know, great. So you can hit a little button on Facebook to put your name on a petition. It's really not what legislators are caring about. They want phone calls. They want letters.
4: Right. So it, it's just really interesting that everything old is new again.
2: Yeah, letters. Letters are where it's at.
4: Yep. And uh, the other thing I wanted to point out was that there is um, – I think there's a – a Cure magazine put out a really interesting story about, um, you know, would you date a cancer survivor? And obviously they're like preaching to the choir here because, you know, would cancer survivors date other cancer survivors? Maybe, but would – Regular people want to date cancer survivors or non-survivors, and it's just a really, really good article. We blogged about it, but um, if you go to CureToday.com and just search for Would You Date a Cancer Survivor, uh, it's a really great story, and it had, like, I don't know, something like, I don't know, like five or ten really powerful comments that were left to it, to other links. Um, But, you know, before we get to the news, Carol, any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I think it's interesting to not necessarily assume that we us folks with cancer would want to date somebody else who has cancer. I remember being really shocked and glad to have my mind opened around this when I was interviewing this woman um, in San Francisco for my book. And she was saying, you know, I don't know that I would want to date somebody with cancer. Like I have enough health care problems of my own and it might be really, really challenging to have two people in the same household who are both living with cancer. And I thought, all right, a valid point. Um, So, and as much as I want to just totally trash every single man who ditched me when I was dating with cancer and say, you know, screw you, sometimes, yeah, sometimes I think there were some really valid reasons why it would have been really challenging in our relationship. So, you know, screw you and some people get a pass. So it's a complicated question, I think.
4: And I think Jack has something embarrassing and obnoxious to say.
5: No, that's not true. I'll date anything.
4: <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's not about you dating a cancer survivor. It's about a cancer survivor dating you or a I regular understand. person. I understand. Yes.
5: Yeah, and that's and that's a a, a very uh, real issue for so many of us out there because we feel like we're damaged goods, or you know, we have one boob, one ball, and we think that we're uh, nobody wants to date us. But you know, it's something that uh, you know we have a lot to to offer you know, the quote-unquote healthy people. And uh, why wouldn't they want to date us? Because we're awesome. Syphilis is not an offering, Jack. Oh, it's not? No. All right. Shit, I need more <laughs>
1: notes.
5: <laughs> I got to come up with something better to offer people. But, uh, <laughs> but seriously, uh, you know, we are, you know, such a uh, a wonderful group of people, as 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 you know. And uh, people shouldn't be so down on themselves at thinking they're damaged goods or, or whatever. Um,
4: because... There is uh, so many people who are looking for awesome people, such as you and I. Well, in a, in a Dr. Abe Shishua uh, attempt, um, speaking of damaged goods, we'll let you read the news now. Okay. <laughs> All right. So with that said, it is now time for the, uh, for the Stupid Cancer News. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is I on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. Okay, during this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we announce worthy news stories to our adoring listeners to inform them about the latest and greatest in young adult programs, free services, events, projects, and other stuff. If you have an upcoming program event press release that you would like to hear broadcast during this segment to our nearly 19,000 listeners out there, please fax to us at 646-861-2565 or email Jack Buffard at jack at i2y.com. Take it away, bro. Thanks, Matt. It's good to be back. Uh, first
5: of all, I would like to send a big, 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 big thank you out to the First Descent organization for the wonderful kayaking trip that they allowed me to go on last week in Oregon and Washington. Uh, it was just great. It was phenomenal. Uh, Firstdescents.org. I encourage everybody who needs a getaway to get away to partake in next year's uh, lineup with First Ascent they really uh, hold your hand through it. If, if you're afraid that you don't know how to swim, you don't know how to paddle a kayak, you don't have to worry about that because they hold your hand through the whole thing, baby step it the whole way. Um, a really great week. And I also want to send a big thank you out to Kevin Pinnell and the Oregon Active Foundation, along with the Kiteboarding for Cancer uh, people out there in Oregon. They, they gave us a day of boat rides, and swimming, and stand-up paddle boarding, and I encourage everyone, if you're ever out in the Pacific Northwest, to look up the Oregon Active Foundation at OregonActiveFoundation.org and the Kiteboard for Cancer Foundation at KB4C.org, and again, I had a great trip. It's good to be back, and thank you, First Ascent, at the Oregon Active People and Kite Board for Cancer. First off, in our stupid cancer news. We have a lot of upcoming events. If you head on over to events.i2y.com, we have a Stupid Cancer Happy Hour in San Francisco on July 30th. We have a cancer conference in Long Island on August 24th. New events added today. We have the I2Y Boston Second Annual Cancer Cookout, and that is going to be at the Marina Bay in Boston, Massachusetts, on Friday, August 28th. And if that wasn't enough to pack your weekend, we have the I2Y Binghamton First Annual Stupid Cancer Golf Tournament, Binghamton, New York, Sunday, August 30th. So head on over to events.i2y.com. Let's see what else is going on. Atlanta, Georgia, Party in the Park at the Park Tavern, Piedmont Park. They are hosting a young Young cancer survivors between 18 and 40 years old, in or out of treatment, plus one guest. This party is on Sunday, September 13, 2009, from 4 to 6. Come have a fun night out, meet others, eat free food, and listen to some great music. This is a completely free event, and for more information, you can go to ComePartyInThePark.org. Long Island, we have Chili's. Everyone likes Chili's. Chili's Hostville proudly supports the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation. On th- Thursday, August 20th, from 11 a.m. to close, they are donating 10% of their sales with a flyer that you have to, I guess, just email us to get a copy of, right, Matt? Yes, that's, that is correct. Okay, so you can email jack at i2y or mz at i2y.com and we will send you the flyer for Chili's of Holtzville, 50 Middle Avenue, Holtzville, New York, and that is August 20th from 11 a.m. to closing. One of my favorite events is coming up. Attention Chicago area listeners, mark your calendars. I2I is proud to prevent a stup- present a stupid cancer book signing for Everything Changes, the Insider's Guide to Cancer in Your and and Ah, Carol Rosenthal will be signing her book on Wednesday, August 12th from 7 thir- at 7.30 p.m. at Women and Children's First Bookstore in Andersonville. Enjoy complimentary cocktails and gourmet hors d'oeuvres and connect with others in the Chicago young adult cancer scene. For more information, that is also listed on the events.i2y.com. Speaking of Carol's book, Everything Changes, the Insider's Guide to Cancer in your 20s and 30s, it is the newly released book by our very own Stupid Cancer co-host, Carol Rosenthal. <laughs> you like that segue?
1: Well done. Dave Shishua
5: has nothing on me. Everything Changes, thus the, shu- the sugar coating off of the young adult cancer experience. It is packed with gripping stories and an unprecedented collection of young adult cancer resources. Everything Changes is available wherever books are sold. Visit the book's website at everythingchangesbook.com. Next up, we have 70k.org. That's the word 70 in the letter K dot org. There are approximately 70,000 people aged 15 to 39 diagnosed with cancer every year. For over two decades, there has been little or no improvement in survival for this age group. By signing this bill, you are supporting the Adolescent and Young Adult Cancer Bill of Rights to be established as a standard for care to meet the needs of this underserved population. Next up, we have cancer care programs. The young adult groups that are active and running at cancer care are living with cancer, life after cancer, young adults Loss of a parent, young Young women with breast cancer, young adult individual grief counseling, and young adult caregiver for all diagnoses and relationships. Contact Julie Larson at jlarson at cancercare.org, or you can reach Julie at area code 212-712-6173. The 2009 Cancer Fighters Award, greatnonprofits.org, is running a campaign during July to identify the top-rated nonprofits across the country serving the cancer community. If you have a personal experience as a volunteer, client, or donor for a cancer organization, post reviews and stories on greatnonprofits.org. The nonprofits that get the most positive reviews during, the, during July will, get, will win the content. Plus, individuals who post reviews also have a chance to win prizes, such as a copy of Everything Changes, the Insider's Guide to Cancer in their 20s and 30s, written by, you guessed it, Carol Rosenthal. Never heard of it. My favorite. Organic Valley Milk for a Year, Spa Packages from Osmosis State Spa and Kabuki Springs and Spa. Also, you can win delicious baked goods from Dancing Bear Baking Company and more visit greatnonprofits.org. And if you would like to leave a testimonial on your I2Y experience, you can leave a comment at vote.i2y.com. So head on over to vote.i2y.com. CancerReallySucks.org is a team website sponsored by the nonprofit organization Gems of Hope Incorporated. With a mission of bringing hope to cancer patients and their families, CancerReallySucks.org was designed by teens for teens. This site offers strategies on how to deal with a cancer diagnosis in the family and much more. An open chat line is held on the first and third Wednesdays of the month from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Head on over to cancerreallysucks.org and check that out. Are you a young adult cancer survivor who would like to begin an exercise program? I know I'm not, (laughs) but if you are, I just got off a week-long exercise program. I'm going to need a couple months to recover. If you are a young adult cancer survivor who would like to begin an exercise program, there is a Survivor Step Into Motion study that is a web-based exercise program designed specifically for young adult cancer survivors. You must be between the ages of 18 and 39, have been diagnosed with cancer between the ages of 18 and 39, have been diagnosed with cancer in the past 10 years, and currently be in cancer remission. If you are interested in the Survivor's Step Into Motion study or would like to learn more, please contact Santina Horowitz. And her phone number is area code 401-793-8124. Or you can email her at shorowitz, S-H-O-R-O-W-I-T-Z, at lifespan.org. And finally, we have Livon's Sperm Banking by Mail. Care Bear, I can't believe I'm about to read this with you in the room. I'm so embarrassed. But guys, don't do what I did. Mailing sperm without a live-on kit is frowned on by our federal government. For more information on Sperm Banking by Mail, please go to www.liveonkit.com. Live Sperm Banking by Mail is made possible by our good friends at Fertile Hope. And I would like to send a big thank you to the law firm of Dewey, Scroom & Howe for clearing up my embarrassing situation with the United States Postal Service. And that, my friends, is your Stupid Cancer News. I don't know what we're going to do with you, Jack. I actually heard, Matt, that there's a guy named Screamin' at our first descent who did the same thing I did, so I'm not the only one who's had that
4: sticky situation with the postal service. He
5: mailed sperm without the
4: live-on
0: tip. Yeah, he
5: just threw it in an envelope and put a stamp on it and sent it on its way. <laughs> Probably not good under any circumstances.
4: All right, well, on that note, um, that disgusting note, uh, it's time to introduce our, uh, our Survivor Spotlight tonight. Alright, nine
1: thirty, not four thirty.
4: Uh, Swedish American singer songwriter and breast cancer survivor Therese Brewitz is thrilled to be featured on the I2Y C CD volume two. She is a uh, years post-treatment and busy recording her follow-up album to be released in the fall of two thousand nine. Hey, that's soon. She's also a fitness lover, working full time as a Pilates trainer and a group fitness manager in Oakland, California. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show. Therese Bruits. Therese. <laughs> I love I'd love
0: like to follow that
4: segment. You, you, yeah, but you're the lucky one. You get to follow the sperm banking accident.
0: I know. Sorry about
4: that. <laughs> yeah. Lucky wow. you. Oh,
0: yeah.
3: Well, I'm thrilled to be here, so that's great.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's good to have you.
3: Yeah, and it's good to be back, actually. I think I was on the show a little bit over a year ago.
4: You were, and uh, now yeah. you're part of our project, which is very yeah. exciting.
3: Yeah, it's I'm really happy to be part of it, and uh, you know, it's, it's a moving and gripping album. And
1: you know, I'm just really happy to be part of it.
4: Yeah, we've been cycling through all the uh, all the artists that are on it, and uh, you know, we had you on, but it's time to have you on because you're part of the campaign and the project. And I know we shipped you uh, a bunch of the CDs. What do you What do you think about it?
3: I th- I think it's really good. I mean, and what what's great is that all the songs are unique. I think all the songs tell a story and. Um, yeah, it's it's just a beautiful thing, and um, you know, it also amazes me. There's so many really, really talented and uh, young survivors out there, and doing you know doing what they love to do, playing music, and also glad that we're honoring those who are no longer with us. That they had you know that we have them on the on the CD as well, and re-
1: remembering them. Their
4: lives. Yeah, I mean that's that's clearly. I, I wanted to put that message out there that you know this is yes we're we're here about people who are survivors but we, there are so many people who lose their life every year and that are young adults who need to be honored remembered memorialized and I don't know at least for me what what more appropriate way to embody that uh, through yeah. the legacy of a compilations album like this
3: and the music lives on I mean, yes their, their music lives on which is really important.
4: So uh, so for the, uh, for the sake of our fabulous uh, listening audience here, uh, why don't you tell us your, your quick uh, stupid cancer story?
3: My stupid cancer story. Okay. Um, well, uh, I'm two and a half years post-diagnosis, uh, uh, and uh, I had breast cancer and was diagnosed in 07. I went through treatment, and, uh, you know, I'm now I'm in full remission, still going back on my checkups and everything and uh, really, just hoping for the best, feeling good. But you know, life will never be the same again. And uh, try to just do my thing, you know, live my life. And and um, I I was diagnosed. I was first misdiagnosed. I think that a lot of young women have the same story. You know, I found a lump in my breast and uh, was told, "Oh, it's nothing." You know, they did an ultrasound. And six months later, I went to the doctor for something else. Luckily, that doctor was very. Um, Caught, caught on what I was telling her and brought me in. And a few weeks later, I had surgery. So, I've heard that same story from so many young women that it's just so underdiagnosed. And they look at you and say, "But you look healthy." And <laughs> and especially because I'm also a health and fitness person, so they sort of find it impossible. Um, and the fact of the matter is, I know a lot of health and fitness professionals who, who are breast cancer survivors. I work with a couple of them myself, and it's just you know that huge generalization comes back to me a lot, and it just frustrates me. But that's my story. Uh, I'm really happy to be here, and I feel good, and, and uh, I get to play music, and so that's it. So,
4: so tell us about this song that you wrote, December Sky. We're going to cut away to it in a minute, but uh, wh- yeah. what's it all about?
3: Well, December Sky, um, I just try to put myself inside ahead head of someone who's going through a hard time, and I think, um, I wrote that song before I was diagnosed, but I think be- after that, I think even more of my songs have become that. It's so, not so much about me anymore. It's about what anybody goes through. Um, December Sky was about the hardship of finding yourself in a place. Um, I was picturing being a foreign country fighting, fighting a war, but I thought about it later on. Well, it could, might as well be, you know, fighting cancer, you know, trying to survive. So it's about that hardship, about loss, and but trying to come back again, find your, find your friends, find your loved ones.
4: Um, well uh, why don't we cut away with it and uh, we could talk a little bit afterwards okay all right this is December sky what's the album
3: it's called scent of you
4: from this from scent of you this is December sky by Therese Brewitz here we go
0: Through the sky Looking for an answer The thoughts of falling To the ground Without a sound The ration Oh, not many tickets sold Down by the pavilion But my hands against your coat, one sailor in this boat, looking back. I can't. Many fall behind me is This is not the time to glow one sailor. Hillary-
4: We've got a minute left these are these are pretty short segments but I wanted to just hear from you briefly about um, what it was like to be a uh, young adult survivor who is into fitness and now you work in fitness and you you meet other survivors uh, we do a lot of shows where the uh, you know the patient becomes the, the mentor uh, or the uh, the caregiver becomes the someone who needs to be cared for uh, right. was that your experience
3: yes uh, very much so I mean um, I found this Uh, Pink Ribbon Program, which is uh, basically I'm a Pilates trainer. This is basically a program specially designed for uh, breast cancer survivors where you use Pilates as a way to restore um, your body after a mastectomy or after surgery. So I found that, I took that training, and I've been able to work with some uh, breast cancer survivors uh, after that. And um, it's really that I think the more, I mean, it's one of those things. The more you talk about it, the more you run into people who, who have had the same experience. So um, I've been trying to turn this around and, and really use my own my own life experience and what happened to me, how my body responded, everything in my, in my work as a trainer. Um, I mean, I'm trying to get over the irony of it all, you know, having lived a, trying to live a healthy life and, and realizing, of course, that this is something that we just don't have control over. But I think it has, in many, many ways, um, it made me a better better trainer, uh, more compassionate, um, and uh, has broadened my work. So in in those ways, I think it's really helped me and moved me forward and also given me uh, a focus in my work.
4: Well, I applaud you. I think you're an extraordinary human being. I, I congratulate you on all of your accomplishments, and I, I look forward to... Uh, seeing what more creative genius you come up with. And and for our listeners out there, uh, what is your website?
3: Uh, my website is uh, www.musicbytc.com.
4: So, M-U-S-I-C-B-Y-T-C.com. Yeah. yeah. Well, Therese, I wish you good luck. Enjoy your summer, and uh, please keep in touch.
1: Thank you. Thank to you. Thank you so much.
4: Good luck with everything. Therese Brewis, everybody. Yay! All righty. And that brings us up to our next guest. Okay. Our first guest tonight is an associate director of the Pigmented Lesion Section at NYU Langone Medical Center. Dr. Jennifer Stein specializes in examining patients at high risk for melanoma. Those at greatest risk for the disease are patients who have been previously diagnosed with melanoma, have a family history of melanoma, or have many and or unusual looking moles on their body. Dr. Stein uses tools such as dermoscopy, total body photography, and serial digital imaging to follow high-risk patients. It is my pleasure, seriously, my sincere pleasure to welcome to the show one of my oldest friends on the planet, uh, Dr. Jennifer Stein. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
4: Would you mind if I called you Jenny? No,
6: sure.
4: Okay. Am I the only one on the planet that can call you Jenny?
6: No, my whole family. Okay. How and long you? have you guys known each other?
4: 29 years. Wow. We we were... Uh, 29 years? 29 years. It'll be 29 years in, in the September. From the
1: first grade.
4: Yes, from first grade. <laughs> I, yes. Dr. Stein and I uh, have known each other since first grade. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Which is,
5: she's always been smarter than you. Yes,
4: yeah, she's always been smarter no. than me. Every no. single step of the way, yes. Exactly. Um but in any case i'm I'm thrilled to have you know we never really lost touch all these years, and it was so wonderful to see you go pursue a, a medical career and you know you've been paralleling what I've been doing here with i two y and I think it's very relevant and uh, and um and pertinent that we bring into the conversation the issue of melanoma, skin cancer, the difference between the two early detection best practices all the the panoply of of crapness that goes into helping reduce diagnosis and quality of life and getting people to stop tanning. But I know that, uh, you know, Carol and I like to lead off these conversations, and I'll, I'll give Carol the first question to, uh, to start, the, start the dialogue.
2: Hi, I'm so glad that you're on tonight. I've got a lot of questions that I would love to have answered from okay. you. So what are the different types of skin cancer?
6: Well, there's three main types of skin cancer we talk about. Uh, the first is basal cell. That's the most common type. And that's the kind, if you want to pick a skin cancer, that's the kind you want to have because it's the type that generally just stays in the skin and doesn't travel elsewhere. It's the kind that people don't die from. Then there's a squamous cell, which is a little less common, but also usually just stays in the skin, can sometimes but usually not travel elsewhere. And then there's melanoma which is the big one that we worry about because that's the kind that people, if it's not detected early, melanoma can definitely be fatal. Now, fortunately, it's not that common compared to the other two, but it's a real worry. You know, if you're diagnosed with melanoma, you want to make sure you're diagnosed when it's still early and treatable and curable.
2: You know, I was reading this article. I live in Chicago, and I just picked up a copy of the University of Illinois-Chicago uh, newspaper the other day. I've never read it in my life and there's this write into a doctor column and somebody said, You know, I'm a young person really interested in like looking hot and looking good and getting a tan. Does all this business about skin cancer really matter? And this doctor, who just sounds like a jerk in my book, I'm not exactly sure how he got this job, was like, No, it doesn't matter. The number of people that get melanoma is so small The number of people who are going to die from this is so small. It really doesn't matter. Go out without your sunscreen on. Do whatever you want. What would you say to him?
6: Well, I would say that, you know, even though melanoma is not that common, it's actually one of the most common cancers that young adults get, and it's a really serious cancer. If it's not detected early, it certainly can be a a very dangerous and can be a fatal disease. Um, So you want to do everything you can to try to protect yourself against getting melanoma, try to reduce your risk and try to pick it up as early as you can. And how do you go about doing that? What, what are some of
2: the, you know, prevention and risk reduction methods that, that people can do?
1: So
6: uh, melanoma, we you know part of the risk for melanoma comes from sun exposure. It's not the whole story. You know, melanoma can be found on places that the sun just, doesn't get exposed to, like the bottoms of your hands and feet. And for people with darker skin types, that's the places you have to look for melanoma is on the bottoms of your feet and your hands. If you ever have a new spot, a changing spot on your hands, or feet, and your darker skin type, don't blow that off. Have it looked at. Um, for, uh, for people with fairer skin, with lighter skin, what you're looking for is something that's new or changing. And at NYU, uh, we've developed a mnemonic that helps you remember what some of those early signs are, and it goes A, B, C, D, E. So A stands for something that's asymmetric, meaning one side different from the other. B for something with a funny-looking border. You know, Moles generally are just nice and round. It shouldn't have a tail sticking out. It shouldn't have a funny, zigzaggy edge. C stands for color. Moles should just be brown or just dark brown or just one color. It's more worrisome if you have lots of different colors in a mole D for diameter, anything bigger than a pencil eraser should be looked at, and E for evolving. If you always had a mole that starts to get bigger or darker, change in any way, bleeds, itches, just have a funny feeling about it, go in and have it checked by a dermatologist.
2: Wow, that's a lot of information. It's really great to hear. Um, so what are some of the things that people can do to best take care of their bodies so that they can hopefully prevent... Skin cancer from starting, and also what what role does genetics play in this?
6: Um, so like I said before, sun definitely plays some role in forming melanoma, UV exposure either from the sun or even from tanning beds. So you don't want to use a tanning bed. You don't want to get a sunburn. That's the most important thing, don't get a sunburn. So protect yourself by wearing clothing. So don't go out at high noon wearing a little bikini wear a shirt. They make all sorts of sun protective clothing. You can look like a surfer and wear those rash guards that have good UV protection, but any kind of shirt is better than nothing. Cover your chest, your shoulders, your back, that otherwise just get lots and lots of sun. A nice benefit of that is it protects you from the brown spots and wrinkles. If you go to the beach and you see the old people sitting on the beach and they look like shoe leather, that's because they spent their whole life sitting on the beach unprotected. So that's if you, if you can't get excited about the skin cancer, then see if you can get excited about the cosmetic look. So you want to protect yourself against the sun. And then anything that's ex- exposed without clothing, you want to put sunscreen on and reapply.
2: And I've seen a slew of articles recently. There was a huge one in the New York Times and the Well blog about different kinds of sunscreen and mm. whether or not it really makes a difference if you get a 15 or a 30. Yeah. or I mean, they're even going up to 100 now.
6: Yeah, I think those super high ones only give you marginally extra protection what's most I would say you go for fifteen or thirty or so, you have to use enough, which is more than what most people use if you're trying to cover your whole body, you need a shot glass full, which is an ounce that's the reason to wear some clothing, so you can save on as much sunscreen as you need. you have to reapply every two hours.
4: Hmm. yeah, we have a question from the chat room okay um. And uh, it basically says, and I will, I'll add to this, but is an airbrush tan any safer uh, if you've already had a melanoma, or is an airbrush tan, you know, can it lead to other issues? And I guess I'll, I'll plug into that um, the, uh, the chemicals that go into the tanning lotions. Has there been any information or research to show that they can cause skin damage?
6: So right now we think that uh, it's certainly a safer way to get it. If you want to look tan, the safer way to go is with a fake tan. And certainly we think it's a lot safer than going out in the sun or going to a tanning bed. Um, If you have any concern about the chemical sunscreens, you can always get one of the physical blockers that have zinc or titanium in them. What you're looking for in a sunscreen is protection against UVA and UVB. Those physical blockers will give them both to you, so zinc or titanium. And then there's chemical sunscreens, looking for ones that have UVA and B.
2: So I know I'm sitting here like scribbling furiously. Yeah. That, <laughs> <you know laughs> what? Our, what's sure. a good website that we can go to that has this information on it? Just kind sure. of like basic so, 101.
6: Okay, so Skin Cancer Foundation has a nice website, and they also have one targeted at people probably even younger than your audience, like teens uh, you know, and young people. Uh, the Melanoma Research Foundation is another website, and the American Academy of Dermatology all have some good websites.
2: So I have a question. This is yeah. a little like personal question that I've been like, God, am I at
6: higher risk for
2: getting skin cancer? Because when I was in 10th grade, I spent the day outside, it was April. I mean, who thought to put on sunscreen? And I got a second degree uh, burn on my face from exposure to the sun. If you've had a really bad sunburn in the past, does that put you at higher risk of getting skin it does. cancer?
6: It does. There's there's a figure out there that says that if you've had a blistering sunburn in your childhood, that more than doubles your chance of having melanoma later in life.
0: Wow. Whoa.
1: Yeah.
6: So that's, that's why I say just don't get a burn. If you have kids, don't let them get a burn. But, you know, if, who hasn't had a sunburn? I've, you know, I have plenty of sunburns in my life, you know, something obviously I regret. But just going forward, what you can do is it's not too late, you know, just try to protect yourself against burning and don't seek a tan.
2: And talk a little bit about the genetic factors, too. How, how big of a role does that play?
6: We think it plays some of a role. In terms of what we know right now, we really don't have a lot of the answers. So most of the melanoma out there is not from a specific gene that we currently understand. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a family where lots and lots of people have had melanoma, say there's three people in your family with melanoma, or some people with melanoma and a pancreatic cancer, there's certain ones that go together, then it might be worth looking into whether there's a particular gene, but there's a lot of research going on right now because we certainly do not understand the whole story. Um,
2: So talk a little bit about young adults and skin cancer. Is there a particular cause of skin cancer in young adults specifically? Um, are, is there a particular type that young adults are more prone to have?
6: Well, you know, young adults can certainly get all these types of skin cancers, melanoma being the one we're worried about. What's interesting is when it comes to young adults, women are more likely to have a melanoma than men. And after the age, middle age, like 40s and 50s, men really jump up. But in young people, women are about twice as more likely to have melanoma than men. Do we know why that is? You know, we don't really know. You know, there's a lot of research going on about the role of hormones in melanoma. Mm -hmm. We just don't have the whole answer right now.
2: So I heard, did did my ears deceive me or did I hear the word total body photography?
6: Yeah. (laughs) Tell me what that's about it's not for everybody. It's for people who are at really high risk, people where it's hard to follow all of their moles. So I have patients who have literally hundreds and hundreds of moles, and it's just hard to be sure, is this one changing? Is that one changing? So we'll send them to have photographs taken of their entire skin surface so that we can watch them when they come in for their skin checks and so that they have something to look at at home when they're looking at their own skin, which again, I highly recommend in general for everybody's Take a look at all of your skin, just check yourself over about once a month looking for anything new and changing. So again, the photos are just for people at really high risk if, if your doctor is recommending it.
2: I'm curious to hear why you decided to go into practicing this kind of medicine. It's always interesting to me to talk to, to doctors and find out what, what was your hook and you know, why this specialty?
6: Well, I'm a pretty visual person. I like to be able to see a disease. Uh, I think that's really interesting. So that's how I went into dermatology, and then to me, it was just an obvious choice. In terms, of, I think it's one of the most serious problems in the field of, you know, studying the skin is, is skin cancer and melanoma.
2: So I'm seeing another melanoma question here in the chat room. Somebody asked, is there a time without a recurrence that a person can be considered cured? Like with some cancers, it's you know five years without recurrence here quote-unquote cured
6: yeah you know what we usually think of in terms of melanoma in the first I don't have a great answer for you but what I can say is we worry a lot about recurrence in the first two years after having a melanoma and that's when we'll often watch people really closely we'll have them come back you know every few months every three to four months and then after that window we'll generally spread out their visits in terms of looking for a recurrence or new melanomas
2: well, I'd love to bring Courtney into the conversation, too, so we can have a patient and an advocate joining us. Matthew, you want to bring Courtney on?
4: Yeah, let me, uh, let me pull up the intro here. All right. Courtney Clark is a three-year melanoma survivor and the director of development and marketing for Planet Cancer. Working at Planet Cancer, Courtney has had the opportunity to provide other young adults in their 20s and 30s with the same support, understanding, programs, and advocacy that she needed when she faced cancer at 26. Since 2007, Courtney has spent her life, I'm sorry, has spent her time, (laughs) since then fundraising and traveling the country to spread the message that young adult cancer really does happen and needs to be recognized and treated. She lives in Austin with a house full of rescued animals. God, she's going to make us all look bad. Thanks to her former job as director of PR for Houston's Humane Society. Man, we're like, the, we're like Satan commander this. All right, please welcome to the show the one and only Courtney Clark. Courtney. Hey, Pat. Hey,
0: Carol,
4: You know, you remind me of that movie, um, Defending Your Life, where Alfred, Alfred, you know, where like, Meryl Streep was, like, the angel, and he's, like, just, <laughs> she rescues animals. She saves people from drowning, and, like, he's, he, like, drinks shampoo.
7: And I volunteer at the children's shelter in my
1: spare time. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I know
4: you've been listening in in our green room, and uh, this is a really engaging and really important conversation to have. And I, I want to thank you for being on the show, because I think you have so much light to shed uh, from your own personal experience. And clearly, you know, uh, Dr. Stein here has a lot of great answers. But where are you with this conversation?
7: Well, um, I am three-plus years out from my melanoma diagnosis. Um, so, I am, thanks for having me because it's a conversation that I like to have um, because I am the person that Dr. Stein talked about at slightly increased risk. Um, both my grandmothers had had melanoma, but they were older than 65. And nobody in my family had had cancer as a remotely young person. Um, but I left out in that I went to the dermatologist all the time. I always had my moles looked at. And when I saw one that was growing, I went to the doctor and said, this looks yucky, it's growing, take it off, and she took one look and said, oh, it it really, it's fine, but if you tell me it's growing, I'll take it off if you want, and I said, yeah, yeah, take it off, and I'm really lucky that I did, I'm really lucky that she listened to me instead of her gut, um, because we caught it early, and I am here today because of it, Um, so that's, that's my... Story of diagnosis um, but i was 26 years old and newly married and living in a new town and nobody that i knew had ever encountered cancer as a young adult so I, i felt like i was blazing the trail there in trying to talk about it and also everybody didn't know what melanoma was i got a lot of oh skin cancer man i thought you meant you had real cancer
2: right yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, what are some of the stereotypes that people have of skin cancer? What are some of the questions that you hear or responses that you get over and over?
7: I think the big two are, man, did you do a lot of sun tanning, which I didn't. Um, and then it's the, you know, oh, my, why are you making such a big deal out of this? My uncle had skin cancer. They cut it off his nose. He was back at work, you know, two hours later. And, he, his, their, you know, whoever that person was, their uncle, cousin, you know, colleague of course did have skin cancer but it wasn't melanoma. Mm
1: -hmm.
7: And the fact that there exist three types of skin cancer I think does melanoma and its severity a disservice because people don't understand.
2: I'm sure that we have listeners out there who have skin cancer and who have those questions asked all the time or get those reactions. What's your comeback? What do you say to that?
7: You know I don't really – it's funny because I have a smart-ass comment for about everything. Um,
0: Me too. <laughs> except,
7: except in that case, I just try to educate um, because I, I, I don't want to alienate people and I don't want to make light of it. Um, I'll tell you what, Grey's Anatomy has helped a little bit. Say what you will about the storyline. But um, over the past couple of months, now all I've had to say is, you know, what Dr. Izzy has, And all of a sudden, everybody gets it, and it seems more severe now. Um, But, you know, I just try to educate. I say, well, there's three kinds, and this is the kind that can move other places in your body really, really quickly and kill you really, really quickly. So that kind of shuts
2: them up, huh?
7: Yeah, so wear your sunscreen. Uh, But it
4: takes the chick from 27 dresses to drive that message home to the public.
7: Yeah, and that's sort of sad, but at least at least there's a vehicle for it.
4: Did I just embarrass myself by acknowledging she was the in 20th You're the only guy who,
5: who knew what else she was in
0: besides. Greg. I should
4: have said knocked up. That would have made me a little more masculine. Oh, yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's
0: probably true. But okay. then you had
7: that whole childbirth scene to contend
4: with. I did. I did exactly. I admit
7: that you saw that.
4: You know, I think that the flip side of this conversation is, is exactly that. I mean, melanoma and the young adult issue is really about we're all diagnosed like really late unless we happen to be lucky and be accidentally vigilant. And uh, wh- wh- I guess I'll ask this, uh, Dr. Stein, where is the uh, responsibility or how does the educational process work or, the, uh, or what needs to happen in the medical community as far as training doctors to not dismiss the potentials of these things, given the the scenarios may be very uncommon. But, I mean, I've heard, outside of Courtney's, I've heard lots of stories where, and even our chairman, Dr. Sender, is is one of the big melanoma, you know, guys in the country. He he sees people who come to him that their doctor said, oh, it's nothing, come back in six months, and they come back in two weeks to see Lenny, and they have, like, this iceberg where, like, just a little tip at the top is, like, this deep-rooted thing in their body. Uh, Dr. Stein, what can we do, or how do you foresee... Uh, Changing the conversation to make more dermatologists aware uh, that this is a much more significant issue than it might they might think it is.
6: I think dermatologists certainly can appreciate the seriousness of melanoma, but I think it's really important that if you ever have something that you have a bad feeling about, it's important to just listen to that. And I have patients who, once they have a diagnosis of melanoma, and that's it. Every time they go to the doctor, it means they're getting two moles cut off, no matter what. And I don't think that's the right answer either. But I think you need somebody who's used to seeing melanoma patients. If you've had a melanoma, you should see somebody who's not necessarily just going to cut everything off, but you really need to work together with your doctor. I always listen to what patients say. If they have a bad feeling about something, even if it looks okay to me, that comes off. If they say to me, I don't care what you say, I don't like how this looks, or I'm getting a sense of that, that mole comes off because, you know, I think, one, it's important to listen to the patient, and, two, sometimes people just, this is to quote my mentor, sometimes people just have a feeling about something, whether it's a sixth sense or something that you have to take seriously.
4: And that was you, Courtney.
6: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was was a good thing you
7: did that. Well, and I was very lucky um, that, you know, I had a doctor who put herself out there and said, I trust your gut, that's fine. And then when two weeks later it did come back, that it was melanoma, She, here's my home phone number, here's my cell phone number, I want you to come in tomorrow, we'll biopsy, anything that looks suspicious, and I'll clear my afternoon to answer any of your questions. So that's good. So, right. Wow, we
2: all want your doctor. I
1: think you're
7: retired, but she was, you know, it, it was, I got launched into the experience in a wonderful way, and I've had the full-body photography. <laughs> oh. I can speak from experience, that's a little bit embarrassing. And right, a little not incorrect. for everybody, but, right. you
2: know. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, Courtney, when you're in your doctor's waiting room, do you look around and feel like you're the only young person there? I mean, so many young adult cancer patients look around the waiting room and they feel really isolated and lonely. Do, do you, when you are going in to visit your doctor, do you see other young melanoma patients?
7: But so My very last visit this past May, I saw another young adult, and it was the first time in three and a half years that I did see another young adult. We know the numbers are on the rise, but, you know, it's, it's still a lot of older people. And I've made some good friends, and I get pictures when their grandchildren are born, <laughs> but <laughs> they are all having grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it still exists in sort of a different world. Um, but my doctor uh, at MD Anderson told me that he has patients as young as nine with melanoma now. Mm. So I'm very vigilant about sun care, and uh, my joke is that I look good pale.
6: So (laughs) I don't care. I look good pale. It's true. And see, like I said before, you know, think about the cosmetic look. All of you have the old people who look really wrinkled and brown, and that's from the sun, and and your nice pale skin now is going to serve you well as you get older. You're going to look younger than all of your other friends who are the same age. And I still have friends,
7: believe it or not, that go to tanning beds. I, wow. very, very common in young
6: women.
5: How are these, like, still in business? That's what I don't understand. Like, in 2009, how are they still in business?
6: Well, down the block from me is a big – there's so many tanning salons, which are just a couple blocks away from the hospital. You wouldn't believe, including one that always in the window. It says, recession special, $5 a tan.
2: Oh. Yeah. So, um, Courtney, I, you know, we had a, a question a couple moments ago about people being followed and for how many years you're followed. So you're three and a half years out. I'm curious to know how often you're followed now, and, you know, I, I I think I could make this huge sweeping generalization that everybody who's had cancer has some kind of fear of recurrence. It, it crosses their minds somewhat. What role does that play in your life?
7: Well, I'm on the three-month plan, um, and my doctor at MD Anderson set it up so that I see him every six months, and then... I see a general dermatologist every six months, so then I'm alternating. i go dermatologist, surgeon at MD Anderson, dermatologist, surgeon ND MD Anderson. Um, and that way cause they just figure they cover all the bases. And I'll do that until five years out, um, at which point they'll probably slow me down a little bit. Um, but fear of recurrence, oh, at first, so bad. And that was what really drove me to seek out the young adult cancer community because you're just sort of, launched back into the real world and you're constantly worried that it's going to come back especially right before that three-month follow-up yeah and everybody in my family was like don't be such a drama queen the doctors told you you're cancer-free get over it move on
4: i love that line
7: yeah yeah get over it it was great to hear like i'm not being a drama queen that is so
6: normal
2: so no. you've, you've really plunged full force into the young adult cancer world, and you now work for Planet Cancer. And I'm curious to know, what does it feel like to both be a young adult cancer survivor, you know, you're getting your checkups every three months, and your job is all about young adult cancer. What are some of the pluses and minuses of that? Is it? Do you ever feel like you wish you could get a break from it, from cancer?
1: Um,
7: you know, I haven't. Knock on wood, so far that's never happened. And I've I've had the question posed to me. Um, by a couple of young adults, like, well, I didn't want to tell you that my cancer recurred, because I feel like if I tell my friends with cancer that they'll worry that it's going to happen to them. And I think, you know, it's not some great cancer lottery where, like, <laughs> because your number got pulled, mine's not, or because your number got pulled, mine is. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way, and I think that we, those of us who do what we do in advocacy, We have the ability to reach out in such a unique way that no one else does. We can have conversations and ask questions, and people out in the real world who don't know about some of these support organizations have leaned on me for support, and I can ask questions like, well, how much of your breast tissue did they take? And I'm not a weird, nosy person that they might assume if I hadn't had cancer too. But, you know, it gives me the ability to connect on the level that those young adults need, so I I have to use it. It's
4: almost and, like if you didn't do it, who would?
7: Yeah.
2: And we're glad that you do. Yes, we are.
7: Well, I'm glad that you guys keep the conversation going. We we all need to be having it.
2: I'm curious. Another question for Dr. Stein is: What does cancer treatment look like? What kinds of treatment are used?
6: It all depends on what how advanced your melanoma is. So if it's nice and thin, if it's really early, then we just remove it. And depending on how thick it is is, will determine how big a surgery you need. But for a lot of people with early melanoma, that's it. It's just surgery, you're done. Um, Once you get into more intermediate thickness melanoma, sometimes they'll do something called a sentinel lymph node biopsy, where they'll take out a single lymph node in the area of where you had your skin cancer to see if it's spread at all. And then for people with advanced melanoma, and then usually chemotherapy is used. But unfortunately right now the treatments for really advanced melanoma are not very good. So there's a lot of research in this area. So if you have an advanced melanoma, I think it's a good idea to get yourself to a large cancer center where you can get involved in a trial. Those people often will do the best. And it's important just to help to advance research in this area.
4: Well, we just got a lot of questions in the chat room. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just I'll say all three, okay. um, but one of them is, are freckles and moles the same thing? Uh, where is the best place to reapply sunscreen throughout the day? Um, and uh, should there be a social movement banning tanning? And I'll, I'll just dovetail off that because I remember that in certain states they're now requiring parental permission yeah for minors to get tanning. So those are three things. You could lock them all together. What do you want to talk about?
6: Okay, I'll do it quickly. Freckles are slightly different than moles. Freckles usually get darker with the sun. They're just different under the microscope. So a lot of times people with bare skin and red hair have freckles. Uh, Often they come out when you're a kid. Moles are actually growth, so they're groups of little cells that make the normal pigment in your skin, and it's the same cells when they go awry make melanoma. So that's freckles versus moles. Uh, What was the second question? The best place to reapply
1: sunscreen. You want
6: to put sunscreen everywhere that's not protected by clothing, so face, hands, whatever is exposed, and wear a hat. It also gives you a certain amount of shade. Again, I just want to make one point. For people who are really being careful about the sun and, and and protecting yourself, you want to make sure you get enough vitamin D from your diet. So don't get the vitamin D from the sun. Just get it in your diet, milk, fortified foods, a supplement if you need to.
1: Or
2: people like us who live in Chicago and see the sun about three days a year. Yeah. Right.
6: Yeah. Get it yeah. in your diet.
4: Seattle, Chicago, and London. No melanoma.
1: Well, not <laughs> no, but certainly compared
6: to say Australia. Yeah. You know, Florida.
4: Arizona, better right. better
6: shape, right. What was the third question? Oh, like should there be hand
4: it, hand the banning tanning.com.
6: I mean, the fact that a 13-year-old can go in and get a tan without – I mean, I certainly – obviously I'm against tanning beds, and I and I certainly support – better regulation on who's allowed to go in and and do tanning. You wouldn't believe the number of people. I ask people, have you ever used tanning beds? Yes, when I was in high school every week or multiple times a week. And so I think, obviously, that's got to be discouraged.
4: Courtney, any else going on?
7: Yeah, I would certainly ban tanning, especially for, I mean, young kids. It's so silly. And I know that there's such an emphasis on how we look in our society, and that will always be the case, but like we were talking about earlier, there exists a at least safer alternative in sunless tanning creams and sprays, and it's, you know, it's ridiculous. I agree. And I, I always try and support it, especially with the young women in my life.
6: And just because you've had a melanoma doesn't mean that you did it to yourself because you were in the sun or you got a burn. You know, it get, certainly happens to people who've not had, you know, so I, so I don't think you need to take the blame for that or, or the stigma that goes along with it. But still, going forward, in general, people want to reduce their risk by not seeking a tan or seeking a burn.
7: I'm the only person I know that went to Hawaii and came back paler than I left. <laughs> I am with you on that
6: one.
2: I, I join you in that one. Yeah, I left
7: with, the, like, the self-tanning cream on, and it wore off over the week that I was there. And the SPF 75 kept me covered head to toe, the little zinc stick in my pocket. Uh-huh. So it, it, it works. Absolutely. The and they now have zinc, by the way, for people that don't know, that's clear. It's not mm-hmm. like pink stuff. Not has.
6: like the stuff with the lifeguards from 20 years ago. Sure. Micronized rubs in better. You just have to rub it in. But the sunless, I just want to make one point. Sunless tanning does not protect you against, uh, against damage to your sun, skin from the sun. So it looks good, but it's not protective in any way.
7: Well, and that always gets me, too, with, you know, the tanning salons who market Ugh. and say, get a base tan before you go on spring I break. Know. So that, doesn't that's, protect I'm you. correct in thinking that that correct, doesn't correct. Yes, you, yes, right? Yes.
5: yes. Do you guys think a day will come, like, like right now you see, like, in movies and on television, no one's smoking anymore because smoking's uncool. Do you think in a few years being pasty white will be, like, the in thing
4: as opposed to tanning?
7: God bless Kate Winslet, right? Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Well,
4: well, I mean, it's funny because oh, I was gonna say like look at um you know what was it on E Sunset's hand was a reality show. I mean, how much worse of a cultural message can we send to our youth market? You know, than you know it's hip to be tanning in a salon. You know, it's it's you know are we are we really the minority on this?
6: Well, Skin Cancer Foundation has um. Right now they have a campaign that's Go With Your Own Glow. So the idea is whatever color you came out, you know, whatever your thing is, if you're pale, just be pale, you know, just have nice, healthy skin. If you have darker skin, just go with that. Whatever your skin type is, just, just enjoy that and look as good as you can. Well,
2: I want to thank you guys for being on here. I mean, that's, that's well, kind of I weird. have one
4: last question. Oh, one last question.
2: Go for it, Matthew.
4: Um, do minorities that have more melanin,
6: mm-hmm.
4: are they as equally prone to melanoma?
6: No, fortunately, they're not. They're definitely, you know, they're lucky in that way. They're protected against it. But, like I said before, I'm going to say it one more time. If you have darker skin, always look on the bottoms of your feet and on your hands. Bob Marley died of melanoma, and that, that, then that's where that's where it was. So, and a lot of times, those people people with darker skin aren't checked as carefully. Or, you know, they're not as aware. I don't think there's as much awareness out there because, fortunately, they're not as high a risk, but you just can't blow off a new or changing lesion on your hands or foot if you have darker skin.
7: Oh, and I'd love to share a tip that I learned, actually. Go for it. My doctors told me to involve um, everybody else in the process. So, you know, my boyfriend is supposed to check my back because I can't see that, and my lady doctor is supposed to check my lady part. Yes. And my very favorite one is that my hairdresser is supposed to go through my hair and look all through my scalp. Excellent tips, yes.
6: So a lot of people come in with things that their hairdresser found. Yep. Yep. So she knows
7: That's that good. she's got to keep a good eye on anything and, and let me know if it's changing. And it feels so good, too. Excellent. I'd <laughs> love to have my hair brushed.
4: I, I, I had not had a use for hair brushing. Ten years. Or a hairdresser. Or a hairdresser, for that matter.
6: Well, it makes it all the easier to check your scalp.
4: Yes. It's Did Matt have hair when, was, when you
5: when guys met when you were six oh, years yeah, old? Oh, yeah, lots of curly hair. Yeah. Had a big Jufro, right? Oh. I had a, I, a
4: huge, my first grade Jufro, yes. Yes. Exactly. Uh, well, all right. I promised her uh, I, I might not do this, but I'm just going to because we're going to conclude the show. But I have to say that I, I really love uh, Dr. Stein, who was originally Jennifer Sharinsky. And uh, how, I, how I knew her in first grade, and she was my first grade crush. And we have a, a little – I have to share this because it's just – she's here. How how often is it <laughs> that someone I've known for 29 years on the radio show? And that is uh, for Valentine's Day in 1981. My mother and I went to the local drugstore, and I bought her a little tiny Russell Stover's heart. And I waited outside her house for 30 minutes fretting in fear <laughs> in my mom's station wagon – Only to walk up to the door, knock on the door. Her mother answered, called Jenny over. I gave her mother the box of chocolates and ran back to my mom's car and we drove away.
6: It's true.
4: Yeah, it is true.
2: That's pretty adorable.
4: And
6: ever since, I always tell my husband he has to get me chocolates every year. Yes. You say you set me up for that. I
4: wrecked it. I wrecked it for Evan, (laughs) (laughs) who I hope is listening tonight. (laughs) Well, in any case, this was a great show. Clearly, this is a topic that has uh, almost an unending degree of dialogue around it, and um, I really couldn't be happy with the quality of, of content we've had tonight.
7: Thanks for
6: having us. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah,
4: good stuff, good stuff. All right, well, with that said, um, let's, uh, okay. let's hit up our, our closing sequence. Let, let's thank Courtney Clark from Planet Cancer and Dr. Jennifer Stein from NYU. And uh, I get, actually, before we start our closing, I will remind everybody, and I will remind... Actually, Jack didn't even know this till tonight. Tonight is our season finale. Not our series finale, our season finale. We are off in August. We will be coming back on September 7th. And we have uh, Ethan Zahn from uh, Survivor and from Grassroots Soccer will be our guest. And we're going to get some other great guests lined up for that show as well. And if you want to check out our fall season, uh, go to guests, plural, guests.i2y.com. Dot com. So uh, thank you, everybody. Uh, a really great season, a really great way to end. Uh, just a- an amazing couple of months here since we started with Blog Talk Good stuff. Radio. So uh, Jack and Carol, you guys have a great hiatus. And um, thank you to everyone in the chat room. Thank you to everyone listening tonight. Have a wonderful, wonderful summer. And uh, and now it's time for our closing sequence. Bye-bye. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internet.
5: You ever seen a grown man naked?
0: And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, my <laughs>
1: You've
4: done
0: it again. That was so terrible, I think
4: you gave me cancer. All right, folks. That is tonight's show. I hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at Stupid Cancer. Love. I'd like to thank our guests. Therese Bruits, Dr. Jennifer Stein, Courtney Clark, I'd like to thank our live studio audience, Joseph, 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 Eliezra, Tommy Waters, Anna Brower, Carrie Stout, as always, Jack Rufford, Carol Rosenthal, and again, we're on hiatus till September 7th, check back here, uh, same bad times, same bad channel, if you've missed any of our previous shows, check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com, or subscribe to our podcast at iTunes, at and if you don't already have Carol's book, Everything Changes, The Insider's Guide to Cancer in your 20s and 30s, remember it is available wherever great books are sold. It is not, uh, remember if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We will all see you back here in September live from the Chemo Deck. Jack Buffard, Carol Rosenthal, Captain Stooping, and I wish you all a phenomenal summer. Go to bed,
0: Leah. Fucker out. Bacher out. It's an open smile on a friendly show.